Oh, I thought, you know, I'll look in to confirm my willingness to return to Downton. This is the Wet Hot Gravy Podcast, episode 16, <laughs> for the week of January 13, 2014. I am ambitious footman David T. Cole, and I'm here with spinster middle daughter Sarah D. Bunting. He doesn't know you. Dowager Countess Tara Ariano. You would. And gentleman soldier Nick <laughs> Rhinewell Jones. Be a chap and jump on that grenade for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Well. <laughs> Welcome Hello, everybody. back, everybody. Yes, welcome back. Uh, happy New Year. We're a little bit late with our first episode of the new year because... Uh, Everyone got the, that the flu. plague? Yes. That <laughs> the, flu the Spanish that flu? Everybody knows somebody with it. Uh, we got it. And uh, so we're a week late, but uh, here we are. Um, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, a couple first repeat guest of the new era, I believe. Uh, I think you're right. Congratulations, Nick. Another oh, yes. feather in your cap. <laughs> one of many. <laughs> um, one of one. We'll have to endow a chair. So a little bit of site biz really quick up top. Uh, just a couple things. One, um, our forums are firming up our beta. If you're interested in hopping on, just email me, uh, ehg at previously TV. We'll do fine. Just mention that you want to get in on the forum and I'll set you up there. Um, if you're wondering what the hell the wet hot gravy thing was about at the start, uh, somebody on the forum <laughs> said that uh, they were uh, mumbling to their wife what they were listening to, and the uh, that person's wife was convinced that the podcast was in fact called Wet Hot Gravy, <laughs> which tickled me pink. So for this episode, we are the forums are already paying off. They're already paying off. <laughs> yeah, well, wet hot gravy. Um, what else? Oh, uh, the RSS stuff that I keep on mentioning is really confusing. Just don't worry about it for now. Everything's cool. So um, if it's working, it is working for you. Huzzah. So uh, with that, let's get to... Should we announce the other thing that we talked about? Oh, yes. Let's do that. Yes. This is news for uh, our guest, Mark Blankenship. (laughs) This is going to be the first he's hearing about it, too. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, go ahead. Um periodically uh we engage in what's called the tv forcing in which uh not round robin style exactly but round something daisy chain yes round picky style uh each uh member of the extra hot gray team including our guest uh forces uh the next member of the daisy chain the next link to watch something of his or her choosing and then that person force in someone else and so on and so forth until the circle is completed. And then we discuss them uh, in a series of that week's minis. Like a snake yes, eating so itself. It's exactly what that's like. And in fact, that gives me an idea no. <laughs> for my force <laughs> I think he'll be pleased. So, so let's announce who's doing who. So we're Who's gonna... zooming who? <laughs> so oh, in the very first episode uh mark will be discussing the episode of tv that will have been assigned to him by dave yes in the second i will be discussing the episode mark assigns to me in the third sarah will be discussing the episode that i assigned to her and we'll finish off the week with dave talking about the episode that sarah forced him to watch very exciting and to clarify that's going to be next week correct next week Our, our next four minis are not that 
Right. So, Mark, now that you know about it, start thinking about what you're going to make me watch. (laughs) And now we will proceed, Sarah. Uh, Our lead topic this week is Downton Abbey, which has returned after a long hiatus. I was not a Downton watcher prior to this season, but I marathoned everything. Wow. uh, In the lead up to season four, because, Dave, spoiler cue, please. Spoilers ahoy, fun ahoy. Yes, or bunt ahoy. Um, There is a character uh, coming to Downton Abbey in the next couple of episodes, I believe, uh, named Sarah Bunting. And because that popped up in, fine, my Google vanity standing search and was emailed to me as a news item, I thought, hmm, perhaps now is the time to finally get caught up in Downton and see what everyone is raving about. So that's how I spent part of my holiday. Uh, So I wanted to talk a little bit about Uh, First of all, what we thought of the new season, and second of all, how my experience of it might differ since I watched it compressed into basically 10 days. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of Downton in a short amount of time. That's a dense show to be packing Mm -hmm. in that much. That's Denton's. Denton. Denton. Stop it. No, it's not. Uh, Okay, Um, so let's tackle tackle season four first. Sure. All right. What do you guys think? Well... Here's my thing with Downton Abbey in general, and I'll be interested to see how it compares with your experience, Sarah, which is I was uh, didn't want to watch it at first just because it was, you know, just sounded like a soap opera, which I'm not really into. But then for whatever reason, I got hooked, uh, probably because it's sort of like has that otherworldly, you know, uh, um, quality to it. Yeah, I, but why, by that, I mean uh, a world that we no longer live in, Yeah, uh, which is interesting to me. Uh, sort of the same way where, like, if you create a series that is about, like, some profession that is super foreign to you and the world that they live in, that's interesting to me. Same kind of vibe. So it was its newness has started to rub off, right? You know, and now they're sort of just doing the thing with all um, close quarter, long running series where they just tend to now be well, how about when this character interacts with this other character we haven't tried? And I feel like maybe overall in the story arc, in the fate of the Crawleys, the goalposts really haven't moved that much from season one to season four beyond them just dealing with sort of token representations of the changing world. Right. I mean, I think the biggest yeah. the biggest change was in season two. Sarah, you can speak to this having just watched such a squished version of it. That season two was the, really the one that raised the stakes in terms of it being during the war and stuff. Yeah. Well, and then it was a, it was a bit of a letdown, I would say, after that. Because there's, you know, we're returning to, trying to return to a pre-war life that, you know, the effect, the devastating effect of that war on everything and the repercussions it had culturally, artistically, etc. on two generations probably can't be underestimated but the struggle of the Downtonites to keep everything the same uh, you know first of all it seemed rather small in comparison to the wartime storylines that they were dealing with in season two second of all it's still going on like eh, the war ended what four years ago singers are allowed to eat with everyone else like that (laughs) that thing from last night like an actress clutches pearls Uh, it just felt even for this show 
a bit dated. And I, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was whether they should set an end date, like a lot of series have done recently, because it's beginning to feel, I think Dave's insight about how when the show began, like 1912 is not a like a period or a year that I feel like I really know anything about, like the way people lived and how common was electricity. I know that was kind of a little subplot in the first season, but that felt very alien and interesting. And once they've gotten into the twenties, it's starting to feel a little bit more familiar and done. Well, I think that they, I think that what they kind of owe it to themselves to do is to see it, to the point where like that type of life is no longer sustainable at least at downton if not like most places in that community yeah i think uh, maybe it's time for the estate to finally actually go tits up and watch them dealing with that yeah because i mean lord grantham is obviously a horrendous money manager i don't know why anyone listens (laughs) to him about anything involving a number (laughs) But yeah. they've they've dodged it so many times that now it's just it's like the initiative or the process or the Spanish prisoner like oh the estate again like just kill it haven't bet it all on roulette and lose and then they have to move into just a regular house or something yeah I would but even that- uh, accept a Ron Moore esque super flash forward too where I don't necessarily need to see that process but I am interested in seeing them deal with the fallout. You know, if they just zipped ahead to 1931 or something like that, post uh, stock crash and all that kind of stuff, you know, where the problems are compounded and how they deal with it. I'd be interested in that. But yeah, me too. But yeah, the personal interplay, you know, because it's a world of with class systems, there's not that much more they can do with it. Right. Yeah. I mean downstairs you know upstairs downstairs that's the way it is and so there's not i find like from season to season they're just playing the same notes and they introduce some new characters and in season four and when it's the whole world comes to meet much... mary and but you know who cares sarah you were saying the when you watch it compressed mm-hmm. that is more irritating like at least tom's struggle with having been downstairs and now being upstairs feels very like you know get over it or move away something this you need to move the ball on this particular storyline on the other hand as an american like i think that that kind of anxiety and difficulty with moving between the classes especially at that period is like uh, americans wouldn't get it which is fine but narratively it's not interesting and i mean he's kind of he and the late lady sybil were never my favorite thing i kind of didn't really care yeah, but, he's not a very interesting character. I mean, they haven't done, especially in the last season or so, they haven't really done much interesting with him. It's just like sad sack. Oh, she died. He's you know not comfortable anywhere, and it's like they they need to give him something else to do. It's a, at this point. No, I think Sarah Bunting is the something else he gets to do. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite character? Having watched it in such a squished uh, format. Um. You know, my husband was asking me that uh, recently, and I felt like I couldn't say the Dowager Countess because obviously mm-hmm. she gets all the you know best lines and is hilarious and brilliant at them. Uh, I think, though, Mrs. Patmore huh. is my favorite. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, no, me neither. But everyone else is slowly beginning to either 
bore me, irritate me. I did enjoy, um, I did enjoy Mrs. Crawley mm-hmm. uh, until she just swooned into this depression, which is understandable. But I appreciate that other characters are like, you know, this is a TV show, and you need to, <laughs> you need to move it along. And also date that nice doctor. I was a little disappointed that that didn't happen. Yes. She did but, handle it nicely, yeah. though. Nick- Thomas is growing on me. I spent a couple seasons really not being a fan of how blatant he was and him and O'Brien's shenanigans, but he's he's growing on me. Nick. Who's your favorite character? Uh, who's my favorite character? I think um, probably... Edith actually because mm. I just I mean you know she she just the show hates her and I, I, <laughs> the I show know, does hate her I think it really does you know, doesn't it yeah and like she she does pretty well in spite of that and I mean she's like she's kind of quietly you know like making her way in the world and like being like she's not a feminist in the way that like Sybil was of like I'm gonna go to all the rallies and yell at people and wear you know, pants yeah exactly and date the chauffeur and stuff but like she's just you know that more kind of subtle way of like no she's she's intelligent she's actually smart even though the show tried to make her look stupid she was definitely the Meg of family guy of the <laughs> show for a while yeah but um you know and she's she's just like kind of doing whatever the fuck she wants and you know, like quietly kind of getting away with it. And I like that. Dave. Hmm. Well, I, I, I would say at this point, if they got rid of Dowager Countess, I'd probably stop watching because it's those moments that, that carry me through. Yes. Other sort of less, you know, tasty scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, St. Bates chapter (laughs) a billion. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, yeah. He's not going Bates. Um, (laughs) Oh, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, um, but I think that, as is my want, I usually enjoy sort of the dick. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to say Thomas has been my oh. favorite character. Not only what because, I would have guessed at all. Well, because he's a mover and a shaker, right? Him and yes, O'Brien. Yes. I do kind of miss the presence of O'Brien in season four because... Mm-hmm. Their constant friend-enemy, frenemy cycle... Mm-hmm. Um, Although predictable and super cyclical, yeah, um, was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Who did you think I was going to say? Carson. Yeah, I do like Carson, huh. but I think um, Carson sort of for me has the problem that I also sort of have with Ron Swanson, mm-hmm. which is they go way too f- way too many times into the oh he's a kind old soul at heart. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. um, and Agreed. Ron Swanson like his character has been neutered. I think mm-hmm. over I agree. Uh, seasons of. Parks and Rec, just because they—that's an easy go-to, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing with Carson. Like, how many times in season four? Although I may be, or the end of the tail end of three and four, mm-hmm. you know, has he become the old softy? Yeah, like quite a few times between that uh, the vaudeville or right. not vaudeville, but yeah. you know, the 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 the, the actor mm-hmm. uh, storyline and you know, getting everybody's asking him for favors that he wouldn't usually give in season one and two and mm-hmm. stuff. And so, um, yeah. So I enjoy Carson. I really enjoy Carson because every time I see him, I cannot stop thinking of him as deja vu from top secret. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh my God. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think we met some while before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you're right that they do at first, they were much more sparing about that. Yeah. And the scene when Mary comes down, the stairs to go to the church and get married and her dad's 
Lord Grantham and Carson are standing at the bottom of the stairs and Mm -hmm. Carson just melts and looks about 30 years younger seeing his surrogate daughter come downstairs Mm -hmm. was quite lovely and I had a little sniffle about it but now it feels like every other week and if it's not him it's Mrs. Goddamn Hughes figuring out some Mrs. Crawley-esque project like Ethel or you know let's reunite Carson and his old vaudeville Tuberculosis Although buddy. this is interesting that in Over Downton it. Abbey there is more fixer material than there is in <laughs> in uh, Ray Donovan. Or Ray Donovan. Or no, scandal. you're right. Yeah. You're very true. That's very true. Mm. Ooh, crossover. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, who's your favorite? Oh, I know it's obvious, but for all the reasons you said, Dowager Countess, and love I love her. I love her and Carson together too. How they both are like so much the class warriors, but on the upper class side of things like and the way that he what I thought was interesting about his whole thing with the singer is like that was him in another life you know and so that's why Mm -hmm. he was bothered by the idea of her getting to eat with the family because he you know identified with himself identified himself with her a little good point I didn't think of that until we were just discussing it just now but Sarah I uh I want to hear about Bates and Sarah Bunting (laughs) Sarah Bunting brackets real well, my next question to everyone was going to be, who would be your uh, Pierce? Who oh. would you subtract from the show? Just before um, we get into that, I just want to say, my uh, she's not my favorite, but the person whose life I would most want to have is Cora. She's got it made. She doesn't ever true. have to worry about money. Everyone just does shit for her. She's uh, she's nice. Everyone likes her. She, uh, she's got a pretty untroubled life of the sort that seems very appealing to yeah. me. Yeah, as long as soap doesn't come into the picture. <laughs> You know, she was oh, better yeah. off without that baby. Let's be honest. Let's let's be real here <laughs> wow. for a second. I mean... Well, the writers didn't have O'Brien put the soap there for no reason. She's, I'm just saying. She's an old lady. She couldn't... literally soap. Yes. Like, golf clap. No, That's it's true. Awesome. <laughs> the, sh- the show is trash. Like, I, I yeah. think it, it's enjoyable trash, but the, the all of the awards talk just makes me laugh because it's so oh, yeah. ridiculous. Like, there's nothing... It just has the veneer of class, but there's nothing really to it. No, there's well, and we clearly see it differently than they do in England because I think for England, yes. in England, it's basically their Nashville. It's just like it's true, you know, like, <laughs> because they've had a million. You know, they're so used to costume dramas and stuff, and this yes. is probably one of the soapier ones true. that they've had. Yes, and it probably has like a little more, you know, like cred because of like, Julian Fellows being a right. successful screenwriter in America and stuff but yes. I mean they they do not think it's a prestige show at all. No and in terms of like it's it's ballsiness like even Call the Midwife takes more risks than Downton Abbey does. I mean it, granted it's set you know 30 years later yeah. but still. Anyway the Pierce uh, Sarah you um, go. Yeah I believe my Pierce would have to be St. Bates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been so bad since he got sprung from the Hoose Gal. Yep. Uh, and they got married, although... Oh, the prison storyline was fully, so bad. Oh, my God. Interminable. It like, took, even watching really... them right in a row, I would be fast-forwarding because, you know, I knew what happened, and it's like, I don't care. I don't care about the particulars. Let's yeah. just get this over with. Yep. Um, but he's... I mean, he's way too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, he's constantly beleaguered. I felt this way from the very beginning, like when O'Brien basically tripped him and he face planted in the driveway when they were greeting some fancy duke or something or other. And I was just like, oh, so that's how it's going to be with Bates and Anna and this star-crossed snorefest. <laughs> and with last night's developments, I have a feeling we're going to see a resurgence of 
the star-crossed and also of him being like the perfect husband who's baffled by her distance and and i it's just not interesting the character never changes i'm not really sure what he's still doing there Eh, i don't know i like i like her i like the actors yeah i just don't i don't think there's anything else to do with this couple and i would like them to be subtracted I would Nick, I would like him to appears? stop it with the smirking all the time. He's got like one face. <laughs> it's, true. it's always yeah, that true. one-sided smirk. What's up with that? It's Farting. very weird. Anyway, yes. Yeah, sorry, Nick. Um, I would actually, even though she's very sweet, I would say Isabel because every, I just feel like every time, like she's kind of the one who doesn't get the show. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. She doesn't, yeah. doesn't want to play the game. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't, you know, she's just nice and sad a lot of the time. Even before Matthew died, she was sad a lot of the time. True. And it's just like, oh, you know, she's she's just kind of like the well-meaning soccer mom mm-hmm. of the crowd that just like, you know, I, she doesn't add any tension for me. So I, I was just waiting for her to go away. Ivy. Yeah, Ivy. I good, mean, you good, can take your pick choice. between Ivy and uh, Who? Ivy. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. The one that's not Daisy, that one. Right. Um, oh, okay. yeah. Just like because the inserter her basically for the Alfred Ivy uh, what's the other guy's name? Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, that whole which just like went around. It was like a dog paddling in water. It just never went. <laughs> I d- yeah, anywhere. and I don't know any of their names. Still, it's like uh, British um, <laughs> yes. Jesse Plemons. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, Landry. I was recalling yep. Landry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that that whole landed gentry love <laughs> square. I guess it is. Yeah, just like it was. It just like went around in circles. Never really progressed, and then just sort of just. Well, to you know, move ahead a bit. Still, like, even after episodes that I haven't aired in the U.S., it's still kind of everybody's chasing each other. And it's like the slowest game of musical chairs ever, except nobody ever sits down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, mean, I think the show also forgets that these people must be close to thirty. Like, yeah, I think the show doesn't realize that like ten years have passed since it started, but I think it thinks that for most of the characters, like this time hasn't. This time has been standing still. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of weird. You were going to say, Nick? I was going to say, like, the show, like, really needs to add more characters to, like, keep things interesting. And for them to have, like, spent so much time on having added those few that are, like, have really not added anything but, like, took up time. It was, like, while they've added nobody who kind of impacted the rest of the family, you know, it was, I, I don't think that was a good good decision. Rose. Oh yeah, Rose. Co-signed. Oh, by the way, if nobody knows. <laughs> Who? What the, Just if nobody knows what the Pierce is. It's what we call, in honor of Pierce Hawthorne from Community, we call the character who could be uh, lifted out of the show without with with the least amount of change to the show. And um, yeah, now he has been lifted out. Rose of the show. is a good. Yes. Yeah. Rose is a that's a good answer. Yeah, she seems like this. She is sort of the scrappy do of this show. Yeah, you know, completely. Like, mm-hmm. like she's, um, she's. Like, I understand that she's one of the agents, agents of change in the changing world. Right. But that could have all of the stuff that she's been doing, that could have been Edith's yes, storyline. Exactly. And it would have worked just as well. Yep. Like she's she's just she's pretty Edith. Yes. Oh, and does the Edith. change Sorry. have to be jazz? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jazz. Yeah. She's really dull. Um, to answer the early, just to wrap it up, to answer the earlier question. Um, what if Downton Abbey ends with season five? 
if that if they're going to do that. It mm-hmm. seems like somebody has pegged this to be a forever show, as yeah. long as people are interested in doing it. Slash Maggie Smith is still with us and wants to do it. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I wouldn't mind them doing sort of like right now they're doing one month is each episode. Like the episodes are titled March, blah, blah, April, you know, cause that's the, you know, so basically they're doing a year season, mm-hmm. you know, what if they did a, a year, an episode for the last season and then they would cover the next 10 years. Yeah. And you could just see wholesale progression and actually see the effect of, you know, post-war class change, you know, uh, economic collapse and all this sort of stuff happened in the compressed format. Like, would that be a good idea? I don't know that I want this show to be tackling that kind of material (laughs) in that sort of macro level, you know, like it's ultimately still just the story of a family. Yeah. And I, I think it works in as, in as much as it does work, which is debatable. I think it works the way it, would you want them to like flash forward a season, like to some future year to see sure how things panned out sure and just do as you know do the regular month and episode in whatever yeah but the problem is as sarah said we're now getting into the era where people know things about history yeah you know right. like it's sort of like with mad men where like you spend so much time being like when are they gonna kill kennedy like it's you know those big moments are so known not that I wanted him to, but you know what I mean. Like, you're, Damn it. You're just, this is it. This is the one. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, it's the same thing with, like, all this business. You can't stay Mike. in that motorcade forever. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying all this business with Michael being in Munich in future episodes yeah. that are coming up, which, spoiler, blah blah He goes to Munich as promised, and then things kind of go awry. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff is, like, it's just we're supposed to remember in the back of our minds like what's going on in germany oh yeah something happened in germany (laughs) you know what i mean and so it's like then you're just tense the whole time not really tense but you're just waiting like when is this going to pay off in a an interesting way or is it not even going to right i don't know yeah and then the finale is them sitting in coventry cathedral while a bomb is whistling towards it at some point in the early 40s and (laughs) yeah to black and yet somehow isis is still alive yeah. See, that's beginning to, there's something about that that's like, I don't know, that's a really pretty long-lived laboratory. Well, there's actually, they don't mention it, but um, there's there's been two dogs. The first one was called Pharaoh. Oh. The second one was called Isis, but they never mentioned Pharaoh oh, by name. I see. And the par- I think in season two, Isis came in. Okay, but that's still been okay. like nine years. Oh, I was going to say that the servants just keep replacing the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and, don't Lord, wanna... and Lord Grantham has no idea. <laughs> that's one of the things Molesley is delivering. <laughs> new nice. dog every new six months. New box of dogs with a new box of aubergines. <laughs> oh, Downton, you are silly. <laughs> oh, Molesley and me. one topic to another appropriate segue makes it smooth as we could just touch on this very briefly because it is a show that our dear Sarah Bunting does not watch justified returned last week for its fifth season uh, started out in Florida with a new branch of an, an old family we already knew the crows Dewey Crow has been on the show since the series premiere he's one of the uh, Aryan brotherhood yeah. I- idiots he's the guy who we all re- will recall Aryan doofus Aryan, Aryan dunderhead <laughs> yeah He's the one who uh, recently thought he might have four, four kidneys. kidneys. That was one yeah, of the best lines in the show history. Um, so, <laughs> wow. 
He uh, he comes into some money thanks to um, Raylan basically ignoring procedure and making the government have to give him a big fat payout so he'll stop suing them. So naturally, all of his uh, low life cousins in Florida come out of the woodwork to help him spend his money for him. Yeah. One of whom is Michael Rappaport in a fan boat. <laughs> one of the craziest things I've ever seen. How do we think Michael Rappaport is in this role? Well, he's a good actor, but I mean, I had read before I saw the episode that like Graham Yost said, well, you know, we auditioned him, but I wasn't sure he could do the accent. But then I was totally convinced. And I was like, maybe you should have given that another look. <laughs> I don't think it's terrible, but then I don't know really what he's supposed to sound like. He just, he's, he's certainly different than I've ever well, seen him Well, he sounds before. nothing like the other ones. So, I mean, I you guess think that's that they're true. a family, they should sort of. I suppose. But then you don't know where how long he's been away from the Kentucky ones, I guess. That's true. I don't know why I'm fan wanking this. I don't care. <laughs> he's not my favorite, but I, I like him in this role so far. Yeah, he's 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 okay. He's okay. And um, I was reading that uh, someone fan wanked that by saying that he'd been living in um, Louisiana for a while, uh-huh. and that sometimes a uh, Louisiana accent can sound kind of New Yorky, which I have also <laughs> noticed. Okay, and oh. I was like, hmm. I mean, that's you know definitely not what happened, and he his accent is just kind of Josh Bowman-y and terrible. Right. I'm sure is the reality, <laughs> but I thought it was. Sort of touching that they're like, this is the solution to yeah. this question. He lives in the okay. little Brooklyn section of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the the Brooklyn ward. How, how many how many episodes have aired? Just one. one. Just one. Just the one. Okay. We've seen th- we've, we've now seen the first we've seen three. three. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, that's right. <laughs> We're power players, Nick. <laughs> we get super low res digital copies to watch. <laughs> um. So did the first one have our guest stars in it that we love? Yes. From yes, the Dave Canadian Foley and Will, oh, and Will Sasso have already. That was been the in best. It. That was delightful. Well, that show just had such a deep bench of like this episode in particular. How, like when you were watching, like the credits go by, and I was yes. like, "Wow, this is like a movie for yeah. a number of." Everyone was in it. It's crazy, including including some of the uh, character actors, Sarah, that you might be interested in if you ever decide to take on Justified, like James Legro, an all star. Yeah, can I ask why you you haven't? Because it seems like it's it sort of in like your wheelhouse. It does seem like the kind of show that you would like. It's a good show, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no there's no particular reason. There's no one there that I like looked at the casting and was like, nope. <laughs> uh, just it I, didn't get around. I to understand it. It, has, it has it has it has a good amount of eye quality for the lady. Well, and and one of Sarah's all time favorites is Ron Eldard, who had a huge arc That's in true. all oh, of yeah. season four. Yeah, I can't say I approve of that hair, but he's no. had it for a while, and I've learned to live with it. It so suited his character fine. for that. Yeah. But actually, um, occasional guest and uh, previously TV uh, esteemed writer, John Ramos, actually said that I should watch the pilot uh, because it's one of the best ones he's ever seen, and then he would advise me on how to proceed. Yeah. But I was wondering if, for the listeners who, like me, do not watch the show... What are the aspects of it that you would use to convince someone to watch it? Well, I think he is right. I mean, if you need to use your time efficiently because you're captain of industry, as you are, (laughs) that um, Justified sort of takes its time introducing the the series elements that run through later uh, seasons. Um, It's sort of procedural-ish. For like the first half of the first season, more maybe, than that. maybe three quarters. I would or say, so. yeah, it's yeah. after the pilot, which establishes like the main antagonistic relationship. Well, 
I, you know, it's my whole identity and opposition thing with, with Raylan and Boyd, the Walton Goggins mm-hmm. character. So it establishes that in the pilot. And then it's sort of a lot of like Monster of the Week episodes for mm-hmm. probably until like episode nine or ten. Yeah. That's when it that's when it really kicks into like wrapping up Nick is nodding to wrapping up the or getting into what's going to be like a more arc y type yeah. of resolution. And then they take that really to great effect in season two. Yes. Season two okay. is by far the I best. think everyone agrees yeah. the best season. Yeah. Season three kind of dips still good. Yeah. Season four was a was better than season three, I think. Yeah. And season five's been strong so far, I think. But it's it's um you know, it has a strong sense of place, which is always interesting to me. Um, it, like Dave said about Downton Abbey, it, it takes you inside a world that I had knew nothing about right. the sort of the Southern organized crime, Dixie um, Mafia. the Dixie mafia as it's called on the show. Okay. And, and, um, and Boyd is as interesting as Raylan. Yeah. Some, some would say more interesting than Raylan. Yes. And I would not disagree. The They're other, both really strong characters. And speaking about sort of like, you know, the, the foreignness of the world to, to us, what the show does really well that I enjoy is that it doesn't marginalize the the peons of the universe. Yes. You know, we were talking about uh, Dewey Crow at the start. You know, he's just like the dumbest guy. <laughs> you know, he just like cannot make a good decision to save his life. But he's like in half the episodes, um, his family, you know, there's there's a bunch of story arcs involving kind of this um, traveling church that runs around. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of like small characters that bubble up to big consequences in the yes, show, which yes. I really enjoy. That's rather, a great way of putting it. Rather than sort of like cool. just dealing with, you know, the bishops and the rooks and the and the kings and queens of, of the area. Yeah. And I mean I think when you look on the face of it, you know, for if you if you know kind of this type of show where it's like the really smart, awesome law enforcement guy taking on the criminal world and like always winning, like it's really not like that. It's actually yeah. it's actually about how you know Raylan has like almost no control over what happens in the criminal world and it just keeps being like chaos building on itself and like a lot of times Raylan is kind of incidental to what ends up happening because it's usually it it always ends up being like some kind of like infighting between the criminals or like the different factions the different families that are like against each other is really like where all the climactic stuff happens and then you know either Raylan is in the right place at the right time or he's not but um it's it's not like oh he you know he's the the avenger that just has like you know is gonna kick everyone's ass and also he he grew up in the dixie mafia because his dad was a mafiosi mafioso um so he that's how he knows a lot of these people and like he has good relationships with them sometimes because they still know him from his dad but also like he knows how to operate in that world and it's not even like he's like a super cop who's always doing the right thing or a Mm -hmm. crazy you know, like Mel Gibson, Michael Chiklis in the yeah. shield yeah. Yeah. just will do whatever the fuck. Like he's sometimes one and sometimes the other, which yeah. is cool. He's not predictable, which makes him more interesting, I think. And also he um, is not, uh, he's not, um, hideous. I don't, he's not hideous, certainly, <laughs> but he's not. Off with his, Off pants. with his pants. Wears a lot of tight jeans. I'm not going to complain about that. But I was going to say he's not. He's not that a, long. The word I was groping for was groping. Ah, was groping. In, he's not invulnerable. He does get hurt, and um, you know, physically as and well speaking, as emotionally, he's more like a Magnum PI than like a uh, 
agent or uh, um, Detective McNulty. Right, and you were talking about his father Arla, who's actually a character yes. in the show. He's not yes. just a back yes. a backstory for him, and that's interesting because you know Arlo's family is still sort of doing some biz on the wrong side of the track. So Raylan has to deal sort of with deal slash use that in ways that are sort of murky and interesting. So it's yeah. um it's it's. It lives in that great sort of gray area that makes it a lot more interesting than, say, you know, your <clears throat> more black and white network kind of cop shows where, you know, they're, right. they're right. on this side of the law. And, that and like with Raylan and his dad, you might think within the first couple of seasons that, oh, they're going to build to some sort of resolution between <laughs> them. And it is quite the opposite of that. Yep, that <laughs> yeah. does not occur. And I, I also think you really will like all of the... Um, they, it's just such a well cast show. There's really oh, not yeah. a dud among them. Like for every part, I mean, Stephen Root as a judge and the various yeah, perps that exactly. that come in and out. Like it's just a it's a really strong. And show. there's only really been I think for the from all the seasons one like misstep they did, and that is I don't know how to it, that is the uh, wife's decision storyline. I like that one more than a lot of people uh, do. I thought that I, was I a thought little. I thought that was fun. Uh, it was. The resolution was interesting, mm-hmm. but I felt the premise there was There is a very far-fetched. notorious season three episode that a lot of people were very mad at. Yeah. And but, still are mad at. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Involves something well, in an this evidence. Is a, oh, okay. Maybe this is something that uh, someone should force in someone else to watch. Mm. Good to... I, it was already... I was already thinking that, so yes. Um, I don't want to tell you so the other is. The other Just bit kidding. is that they I totally do. <laughs> is that they're saying next next season... Is going right. to be justified's last. I would be fine with. Yeah, that, that feels feels like that feels, it feels right. good, right? I mean, yeah. I think Timothy Oliphant probably wants to start making movies again. Sure. Yeah, and Walter Goggins has got good good buzz out of this. Uh, yes. Goggins, yes. right? Yes. I said that right. Yes, Walton. Walton. Walton Goggins, not Walton. I thought you were going to say good teeth, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he does have he does cre- have good, good teeth. crazy teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, important, but yeah, it's a it's a good show, and um, people should watch it. Yeah. And I like I, I like I said, season four was a return to form, not as good as season two because nothing ever could be. But season five is starting promisingly with a new batch of uh, of bad guys, and some and the return of some old bad guys too. Ooh. <laughs> 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 oh, time for another tar update. I got an early Christmas present uh, last December after the time that we had recorded our last podcast for the year. But uh, in response to a Characters We Love story that I wrote about Diane of Trophy Wife, I got an email from Marsha Gay Harden, who plays her. So yes, now I have Marsha Gay Harden's email address, you guys. So I'll just read what she wrote. I won't try and do her voice. Uh, Diane has read your article and has printed it numerous times, using it for Christmas wrapping paper just in case others haven't read it. Subtle, self-serving, preening just a bit. Thank you. Gratitude weighs most heavily. Winky smiley face. From Diane's friend, MGH. What could be more perfect than that? that's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, it really made my day. So I'm glad that she found it. Didn't she have an AOL address, too? It was super cute. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) she does. All 
right, it's time for the canon. Before we get into it, I just remembered the thing, the other thing I wanted to say at the top of the show that I forgot, <laughs> which is uh, anybody who sent in a canon, I know we haven't had a user submission canon in a while, um, but we are planning to do a couple special shows, especially because of our sickness is recently, we missed uh, a week. We're thinking we do want to have a couple sort of episodes we could have in the tank so that we could still provide you with exciting new content when we are unable to. So we think we ah. might have a all-canon episode again, maybe even two. Uh, we're also thinking about maybe uh, Get Your Noodles Going because I think maybe a all I Am Not a Crackpot episode uh, number three is in order. Um, so get noodling about Word. that. So, um, yeah, just so we can have a couple episodes in, in, the, uh, in the bank. That would be good. So um, keep submitting. In case of emergency, break glass and upload podcasts. Yes, exactly. So uh, please keep those uh, canon submissions coming. We haven't forgot. So this week, Nick, um, you have brought us something. Take it away, Nick. All right. So I have presented for the canon uh, Big Love, Season 3, Episode 6, titled Come Ye Saints. Uh, This episode takes place like smack in the middle of the run of Big Love because it ran for five seasons. So it is exactly the the geographical center of the of the show. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I Big Love is one of those HBO shows that was like not one of the like must watch ones. I think I think a lot of people skipped it and like it got a lot of buzz when it first started and then kind of, you know, people sort of dropped off along the way. But I think it was a really good show. And I mean, it definitely got a little campy toward the end, but this is, this is really, I think it's best episode. And I think it, it works well. It worked well revisiting it because it, uh, it doesn't really play into a lot of the like ongoing, more campy storylines that like Roman Grant or the greens or the trial and stuff like that. So you can just kind of enjoy it for, for itself. And it's more about paying off the relationships between the characters, the, the main characters, the family. So, um, it is amazingly jam-packed with story. Uh, it's so dense that, I mean, I couldn't even summarize it in any, any kind of detail. So what I'm going to do to kind of take us through it is um, talk about it in terms of the secrets that are revealed over the course of the episode. Because there are some really big ones that just come out because of the nature of them, the family being on this road trip to, uh, to New York, to, uh, to the site where Joseph Smith found allegedly the... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, family road trips. They'll, they'll <laughs> the bring everything that out. found the, the golden plates that were the basis of the, uh, the Book of Mormon. The, well, technically the musical as well as the, <laughs> the book, I guess. But, <laughs> um, and they, they have their... So it's kind of like the reverse journey of, of uh, Brigham Young because they, then they've brought with them a, a time capsule that Bill is intent on burying on the exact spot. And, of course, complications arise because they're all... They're even in closer quarters than usual and... Um, some, as I said, some big secrets are, are spilled. So the first one, uh, is, which we've seen since like the, I think the second episode of the series is that Bill has been secretly taking Viagra for the last, uh, for the last two and a half seasons because he has to perform for three different wives and has all these stresses and stuff. And it's fairly understandable actually, but, uh, he's, so he's trying to swallow a pill and, uh, and then, uh, in secret before anybody sees him. And then Marjean walks in. What kind of pills are these, anyway? Nothing. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> Could have fooled me. Well, I don't need them. No. I mean, it's not for you. <laughs> well, not for any of you. Well, for who, then? It's just the pressure, Margie. The pressure. Nikki's infertility. I mean, the stress of that and, and all the demands. I understand. Please. 
It's okay. Your secret's safe with me. And so at first, Margie tries to use this information to be helpful because she's correctly intuiting that Nikki is the one that Bill needs help with in the uh, erection department. And (laughs) let's call an erection erection here. (laughs) Um, Who is the head of that department? (laughs) Uh, Well, Margie tries to be. Dick Johnson, sorry. (laughs) Dick Johnson, yeah. Um, Grow up! (laughs) Yeah, turn six. Nope. So we so we have this great scene that then happens uh, after after the scene where it's it's Nikki's night with Bill and she's in the hotel room with him and he's clearly not very much in the mood and doesn't have his Viagra because he dropped it down the sink and uh, he's he's kind of trying to steer her away from it. Of course, meanwhile Nikki is using her own kind of mental Viagra here because she puts Bill in a cardigan and we've heard her say. <laughs> Uh, we've heard her talk to Ray Henry, the attorney that was working the Roman Grant case, about how Ray Henry was buying himself a cardigan. And, of course, Nikki has a major boner for Ray Henry. And He bought a cardigan in Hawaii. He know, said, that's the Hawaii. weirdest that's, part. Where in Hawaii? Cardigans in Hawaii? <laughs> cardigan. Anyway, continue. Um, Kilo yeah. Hattie has everything. <laughs> it is True. one funny looking cardigan, I bet. Um, <laughs> Ray Henry, also played by uh, Deacon Claiborne, uh, Charles Aston. Uh, uh, who, who went on to play Deacon Claiborne. And, and uh, so when, uh, so, so Margie walks in when, uh, when Bill is, uh, is kind of managing the situation with Nikki and uh, we get kind of a funny scene. Hey, what are you guys doing? Nothing. You want to go swimming? Play Marco Polo? No, and you should cover yourself up. Uh, what are you doing? It's my night, Margie. Get out of here now. I'm sorry. Am I being a pill? I just wanted to kiss Bill goodnight. Oh, excuse me. We're very busy, Martine. Very busy. Got it. Catch you later. I mean, her that's timing just... on that is so good. <laughs> I love her. She just gets so many great moments in this episode of like all all different kinds, and you just see every side of Margie. And if you come away with from this episode hating Margie, I think there's something wrong with you. But, <laughs> um, and then of course Nikki is furious after that because she thinks that Margie was like trying to have a threesome with them, and then and then Margie blurts out that it's because Bill had was taking Viagra, and it's when they're in the car with Barb as well. So now everyone knows about it, even though Margie said that she would keep the secret, which we obviously knew that she wouldn't. Um, <laughs> So we move on to secret number two, which is that uh, Ben has been in love and or lust, probably mostly lust, with Margie for a while. You know, understandably, he's in the same house with her. She's probably only like somewhere between five and ten years older than him, I guess. Definitely not ten. Yeah. I would yeah, say between closer, closer two and five. five. Yeah. And um, and of course, it was, it, you know, this is this is where Ben has kind of arrived at because he was thwarted in being like a normal like sexually active teenager in the first season when he you know had this big secret that he was having sex with his like steady girlfriend and then admitted to bill that he was quote-unquote a sexual deviant (laughs) and you know of course if you repress all of that this is probably how it's going to come out but um things uh things end up you know we've we've kind of been building up to this for a while and things come to a head when they accidentally both see each other naked after uh, getting dressed from uh, from swimming, and and Ben tries to be like, oh hey, this is a great opportunity to uh, bring this up more explicitly, and so he, you know, Margie tries to chew him off, and then he writes her a love note, and then Teeny, the youngest daughter, finds it in the car, 
and now we're in a, a bigger situation, and this is what happens. Margie? Teeny found this in the car. Ben, you cannot be giving me notes. It's bad enough that she found it. What if your mom or dad had found it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. You bet you don't. I shouldn't have written it. I, it was stupid, I know, but... Margine, I am a very normal guy in a very abnormal household, and this just happened to me. I tried not to let it. I really tried. But I do have feelings for you. And not like a son has for his mother. I can't help it. I do. If you have these feelings, you need to get over it now. This stops here. Do you understand me? I love you, Ben, as a mother. And as your mother, I look forward to the day you find true love, but this, listen to me, this is not it. So, uh, I mean, this is another great scene for Margie because, and it, this kind of shows how she, Margie, even though she's like, can be hilariously clueless, she's also kind of the audience stand-in character because she's not completely into the, like, hyper Mormon world and we even find out in a I think an episode later than this that she's kind of just all going along with it and doesn't really believe any of it which is kind of hilarious itself but um you know this is this is an example of like how her perspective on the like the real world that she's you know been exposed to is really helpful because I mean if this happened with Nikki of course it would have probably been it would have been funny too but uh I'm sure it would have ended up uh much more disastrous and uh um and again like you know Ben is just kind of stuck with with his uh, with his teenage sex drive and nothing to do with it. And and I actually am I the only one who thought that probably Ben and Sarah would somehow end up hooking up because this is the kind of show that <laughs> that could realistically happen on. They do have good chemistry, but yeah. I mean I didn't think it was <laughs> yeah. actually going to come to anything. But that was more about the performers than the story. I mean, well, yeah, you never knew where they were going to take things on the show. Yeah, they they did stop short of that. But. Um, so we move on to secret number three, and uh, this is one of the one of the ones that the show has really been building up to for a long time, which is that Nikki is not really infertile, as was mentioned earlier. Um, she's been taking birth control because she doesn't want to have any more babies, and it's kind of interesting because, like, that's we're kind of playing out like the the sexual revolution of like many decades earlier when like the the whole purpose of birth control in the first place was that like wives no longer had to have babies if their husbands wanted to they could chemically prevent it and that's what nikki's doing um and uh so we end up you know there's a there's a couple beats to this the first of all when at first when uh when barb finds the birth control she assumes that it's sarah's and is torn apart by it and you know she's been lying to us and stuff and nikki does not say anything at first because you know nikki is that kind of shift the blame character and has never met a situation that she couldn't make worse by you know lying or being silent about um but uh but then you know we this is we we got kind of a good evolution for nikki because she you know sarah is already torn apart by because sarah is pregnant and um now she's being yelled at about this and finally nikki steps up and says that okay i you know they're mine and the and uh and we get this uh scene that is fantastic and also a great moment for margie they're mine okay nikki they're mine the doctor put me on them for cramps and i have to take them every day how long have you taken them why is that relevant? Answer the question. For a little while. How long, Nikki? Four years. 
You've been on birth control this whole time while I've been having all the babies? I got addicted. I couldn't stop. That's as ridiculous as it is impossible. Why am I the only one in trouble? He takes pills and lies to us all about it. Mickey, enough. Why would I want to have more children with a man who has to take Viagra to have sex with me and only me? I said enough. You're not attracted to me. Just admit it. We've done some awful things before, but this takes the cake. You've been undermining the future and the mission of this family. How can you reconcile that? I'm glad I'm not in a family with a mission. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um, yeah, so another another fantastic moment of her because she has been having all the babies, <laughs> and that is a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility to have in that family uh, when they're trying to you know kind of be a quiverful type family there. Um, and so now you know by, by this point in the episode, you know this this road trip that is supposed to be this really meaningful thing has been like distorted in so many ways, and there's a lot of things that I haven't gotten to uh, that you know kind of everything that happens sort of degrades the the importance of just of just getting there and uh that's kind of the definition of a good road trip movie which i think this episode is a really good uh road trip kind of mini movie in itself where you know what the characters are really trying to get to this place and by the time they get there it's completely different than they thought it was going to be and bill's whole concept of his family is really different by the time they get there and uh i mean over the entire series but it's like this episode is kind of the crucible where that really happens and where he can no longer live in denial as Bill is so good at doing. And um, the... Uh, well, there's that great scene that's just kind of that slow motion pan of everybody. Oh, when he's trying to take a picture? Yes. At the yeah. cab, at the cabin, the house, whatever it is. Yeah. And then he just sees how miserable everybody, everybody is. is. Yeah, yeah, and he just steps yeah. back and he's like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, there's there's so many great little moments like that in, in this episode. And... Um, the uh so so you know we've we've had this you know all of these climactic uh revelations and then by the time they get to the you know it's it's right after that that admission by by nikki that, that bill says no we're still going to the to the, to the site we're still going to see they're 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 wanting to see this uh this show where like the angel i forget what the name is moroni right? moroni yes uh take a letter off of that and uh mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um and and so they finally get there and uh you know bill bill is trying to make the the speech that's going to tie it all together and you know be, be the whole foundation of this road trip and i think it's a it's a great it's a great human moment for bill and probably for anyone who's kind of you know dealt with like doubts in their own religion and you know kind of wait a minute, does it mean what I thought it means and stuff? And, uh, and this is that moment. This is not what I planned to say. I don't know what we learned on this trip. Something, I hope. We retraced our ancestors' footsteps to get here. We didn't have to starve or fight or brave the cold for our beliefs, but we've been given other trials. It's not really important what happens to the time capsule now. What's important is that it got us here. On this sacred ground. Dad, we're missing it. All you go on ahead.
Heavenly Father, I waited my whole life to see this place, to bring my family here. Along this trip, I've been looking for your presence. I haven't found you anywhere. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's such a great moment for Bill because he, you know, he he has no choice other than to be, you know, super the Mormon cheerleader of the family, and you know, he he can't admit this to anyone, but you know, it's it's a it's a nice moment to see how much it, it wears on him. And, uh, you know, even though of course from, from that, he ends up acting out crazily in other ways and really, you know, doubling down on the insanity of the, you know, cult stuff that he's, he's been up to, but, um, it's, a it's a, it's a really cool moment. And that normally that would be where the episode ended. It would be a great moment to end it, but there's still one big revelation left, which is for everyone to find out that Sarah, is pregnant or, or was pregnant as the as it turns out because um she she has one of tv's many miscarriages although this is a moment where i think the show earned that where it wasn't just one of those like oh it's a, con- a miscarriage of convenience because clearly you know we couldn't deal with having a baby on this show and you know it'll be this sad thing for the character but it's a boon for the writers because we don't have to deal with the the fallout of that i think on this show they could have dealt with sarah having the baby and therefore the the miscarriage is actually effective because it is a surprise and and it's you know and and it is genuinely tragic and it's it's the way that everyone finds out about it and um and instead of you know everything else being kind of uh, a revelation where where everyone is offended and mad like this is finally the point where they have to come together and they have to you know they we don't see any judgment and there's there there wasn't really a clip that I could pull for this because it's done with almost no dialogue. You just see Sarah in the bathroom and Nikki comes in and asks what's going on. And she says, I'm losing my baby. And then we see Nikki and Sarah in the car together the next day. And Nikki says, look, you have to tell them I'll, I'll help you. I'll be there for you. And that's a you know great uh, redemption for Nikki after everything that she's done. And, um, and then we just see like wordlessly all of them, you know, see Bill and Barb, hugging Sarah and, you know, clearly, you know, being not, they don't even look like they're mad about it. It's just like, Oh my God, like, look at how much we've been missing about our kids' lives. And, um, and it's a great way to, to end it. And it's, it's like that final nail of like this, the stuff we thought this family was is, is, is not what, what it, what it really is. And, um, and, uh, I just think it's a, it's a fantastic episode. There's, like I said, there's millions of story points that I, I couldn't even get to because it's, it's so dense. And I think the writing is really efficient in this episode. They do so much with these short scenes that are able to be effective because of the baggage that you're bringing into it from the, from the previous two seasons. And, um, it's, uh, I, I just think it's, uh, I think if you if you're determined to hate Big Love, this episode is probably not going to sway you. But I think if you have any affection for this show, um, this is really the the best that they ever did, and I think it, it deserves a spot in the canon. Me? Uh, yes, I agree. This this episode is a strong pick from my perspective because it covers all the stuff I was interested in about the show, and none of the stuff that bored or annoyed me yeah in terms of all the the business and the same here yeah the empire brotherhood or whatever i don't even remember what it's called oh yeah united empire was that right united united effort brotherhood anyway um and and focused on what i thought was always 
it, I, for my for my taste was never given enough attention which was how is a family like this actually like how does it work on a day-to-day logistical basis yeah. <laughs> and and seeing it in this like sort of this intense um you know concentrated form yep. is such a smart idea of like how to you know sort of do a state of the family yeah if, well, check in. A, if you want to see family dynamics in play <laughs> there are the two things in the universe that will bring them to the forefront the quickest <laughs> one road trip yes two Holidays. uno oh uno <laughs> yes i was gonna right. say weddings we'll also accept you <laughs> yes um and so this is this episode is really fascinating to me I, i'd forgotten which one it was when you picked it and then when it started i was like oh god this is a good one um Especially because of the way Bill is sort of is so recessive in it, which is how he is in the whole series, you know, and and, because it really is mostly about his wives and like the actual management of the family. And Bill is like having always having his own stories off to the side of like. And you can sort of understand how he would get to that perspective, because if you know, if you grew up the way that he did and you were like a boy in an FLDS compound and you had to like get run, run out of town essentially because yeah. they wouldn't want the competition for the young girls that are age appropriate for you because they've all been promised in the joy book to gross old men and then to have to like remake yourself and have a whole new idea of what your life is going to be and then be so proud of that and then to get to a certain yeah. point and realize oh shit now I have to like fall back into exactly what I never wanted for myself right. and then decide no that is what I really wanted all along like Bill's story is the story of self delusion always oh, yeah. and so What's great about this episode is that he can't, he can't, he, all of his self delusions yeah. are kind of stripped away. <laughs> yeah, what do you do when it's all thrown back in your face? Right. And that's like coming right on the heels of, you know, he, they thought they were going to add this fourth wife and then that didn't work right. out. Yeah. So all of this is sort of like him seeing everything that he thought he believed in kind of shattered <laughs> over a course of days, um, which is intense. And so, like in another show, that moment at the end that we played the clip of, what you can't see is as Bill's pr- praying. The angel Moroni yeah. comes up behind him, in sort the of stadium like at the top this, of the at hill. this show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? As he's saying, "I wish you'd send me a sign." And, it's and like, there it is, like it's behind him. It's kind of cheesy, but at the same yeah. time, it's like the fact that he doesn't look at it is like mm-hmm. that's perfect. It would have been too yeah. much if he had turned around at that moment and decided, "Oh, this is the sign that I needed." It's instead, it's like, no, everything's still fucked up and broken, yeah. and will be forever, as far as I know. So. um this episode is a great microcosm of the series and it captures all the stuff that it did well when it was firing on all cylinders. By the end, I was not as into it. It was no, another I mean, one of those was... situations where it's like, oh, well, now I need to see how it ends. Once they did that Mexico kidnapping episode Oof. where it was like Miami Vice or something, it was like, yeah, yeah. they, they, they did really run oh off the rails God. pretty hard. But yeah. yeah, but this was like, this was right in the sweet spot of the show. Yeah, for sure. And a great, a great showcase for Marjean, always my favorite character. Yeah, and to give uh, voice a couple of the moments that you couldn't capture in your uh, in your great reveal series approach is uh, <laughs> the riverboat uh, yeah. scene, oh, yeah. all about how you book agents and, or I mean, you book talent for casinos. You can and, get Tony Orlando. <laughs> yeah, can I get Cher? Yes, because uh, we really like Cher, which is kind of funny. Um, that was a good scene um, with Jim Naver's daughter. Uh, Not really. No. Um, <laughs> as a booking agent now, which seems kind of right. Maybe mm-hmm. she is. I don't know. Right. Um, and um, what was the other one? Oh, and there's the whole thing about the about Marjean's mother's ashes too. Oh, yes, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, when they go there, they they visit and the Marjean's um, baptism. 
Yeah, and uh, she wants to leave them with surviving family, and they get there, and they start talking, and they realize talking that. Talking shit about her mother. Talking shit about their mother in yeah. front of her and yeah. the, 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 yeah. the vase of ashes. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was a good scene. And the other scene that was, I thought was interesting was, um, uh, what's his name in Night Court? Max? Bill? Mac. Mac uh, oh, yeah. plays a Baptist Bible thumper. Oh, yeah. who, um, he was so scary, all Baptists The pippy long-stocking car. <laughs> The pippy this long just appreciated that one. The pippy long stocking teeny teeny yeah. who is a human cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she gets into a a bit of a discussion with him, um, and uh, that was a good scene too. That was like that was very awkward. That was, that's kind of a nightmare scenario to meet people like that and be trapped in that conversation. Um, that's why we don't go to riverboat casinos anymore. <laughs> exactly why. That is the only Plus, reason. because of your crippling gambling addiction, Tara. Quiet. Hey, Tara, what's our gambling losses for the last year? $800. Not really. Actually, um, I think it was $700 was the line at IRS Burger. At IRS Burger. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was good. You know, I, I never really watched Big Love uh, from episode to episode during this run. Yeah, I dipped in and up. But uh, a road trip is such a good mechanism for a TV show to cut to the quick of relationships just because it's inescapable, you know, for all the reasons why going on a road trip with your family is usually a terrible idea. <laughs> um, why it can pay off, it can also backfire uh, tremendously. Um, brings out the best and worst in people depending on what happens um so you know it's a good it was a good mechanism for this episode and so much happens and you're absolutely right about uh um uh margine yes margine margine um that uh you cannot leave this episode without uh just being tickled pink with her she is she is she is a joy to behold Mm -hmm. and um the scene she's pure sunshine the pill scene on the bed with her um, was <laughs> gotta catch you later yeah yeah our, our comic timing is, was great so yeah it was, it, it's a really good episode and you're right nick that they crammed in a lot without it feeling like it didn't have breathing space that's yeah, what i like no, about the pacing this. was perfect um you know you were mentioning you know these four big revelations that happen um but still you have all these other moments i mentioned in there and they take their time with those moments too yeah. like the scene with the the Baptist went on for a while. It just wasn't like a quick, you know, like, oh, a reminder what everybody else in the world thinks of us scene. It really yes. took its time. Same with the riverboat scene. And and, uh, but, and there's and, and yes. And the moment where uh, Bill and Sarah are talking in the car and he offers her one night in Chicago, you know, yeah. just oh, yeah. the two of them, which is like it's a sweet moment. It's a reminder of like, OK, as much as I made fun of it, there is a mission to this family. And, you know, he's trying to be a good dad, even though he's a fuck up most of the time. Yeah. And, you know, she loves him and mm-hmm. they love each other and it's nice. Yeah. Sarah? Um, yeah, that's a good, that's actually a good segue because uh, what I liked about this episode was what made me kind of give up on the show early on. I started out watching it when it debuted, but I felt like it was still sort of stuck in its own setup um, for a few episodes and wasn't really getting into character development that much. Uh, so I pretty much quit it and only dipped in occasionally after that. I had never seen this episode before. Um, And I really liked it because you got a much better sense of these people as people. And the scene with Bill and Sarah had a, you know, just typical father-daughter bond feeling to it that was really real. Uh, And I, you know, I agree that a road trip is a great 
uh, way to get to know characters. You're definitely stripped down to some elemental stuff for good or ill. And I have in my notes that um, it reminded me of how when my family, which was much smaller and more traditional <laughs> in the Baptist way, would be getting ready to go on the annual catastrophe <laughs> known as our summer vacay, my mother would shut the door and make sure it was locked and then go, let's get this over with. <laughs> and it was like, it was funny to me because, you know, this was mostly a time for our dad. Uh, who worked outside the home to spend a lot of time with us as a family, which I think he loved. And my mom was kind of like, Busman's holiday, because she was at home with us. And was <laughs> she like, got plenty you know, of you. Yeah, and it wasn't in, like, whatever, a Lincoln town car that we rented and drove fucking across the country. Whose idea was that? Still kind of annoyed <laughs> slash baffled. But, I mean, it's that sounds really negative, but it sort of made me look back fondly on the fact that road trips like in real life do this like you are sort of stripped down to your elemental parts um and i also appreciated the fact that uh bill like accidentally gets left at a rest stop oh yeah, yeah we didn't even talk about yeah, this yeah, in that family that has to happen like twice a day there's like a million of them like how you never see them doing a head count or anything like that so when that finally happened i had been wondering if it was going to happen and then it did <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good, uh, fun episode, well-balanced in terms of humor and, like, deep moments. Uh, it was a good episode for Nikki, who was always my favorite, because she's the worst. Um, and I just love Chloe Sevigny in this role and think she's brilliant. She just fucking went for it always. Like, she never softened that character at all, which is perfect. Yeah, she never did. I think she, there was some interview I read with her where they would, like sort of uh like makeup wise like in her look try to pull it back a little and make her a little more relatable and she'd be like nope button her up yeah. which i i admired uh and it made me like margine is not has not been my thing she always annoyed me but i liked her at the end of this episode and more importantly i was excited to see what happened next with this family and with these characters having sort of been dropped into the middle of plots that I had never gotten this far in the series before and I kind of wanted to go like I'm on HBO go sort of like, should I watch the next one? Like I didn't really have time to do it, but (laughs) I was like, I want to know what's next. So this was an excellent submission on all uh, fronts in terms of Canon qualifications, in my opinion. And I'm ready to vote if you are. Uh, Before we put a vote, I just want to make one suggestion as a tie into the site because me and Tara were talking briefly about, other TV shows that have done road trip episodes mm. and how they compare. And we were kind of thinking about a couple, but we're sort of like, you know, it was, it was late at night and we were ready to sleep. So we weren't thinking too clearly. So <laughs> I'm, I, I just as a general request, if uh, if you're listening and you go to the site, uh, maybe just plop in other road trip episodes you can think of from other shows. Because yeah. I just kind of want to <laughs> get a feel for how this is, uh, how this compares to other ones. Because I feel like it's, it's, are really just generally a good idea for an ensemble cast mm-hmm. if you want to kind of cut to the quick. So I mean, there's the Downton Abbey where, where they all went to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that I think is really cool about it for being a road trip episode that is on an HBO series where they probably had a little bit bigger of a budget is they clearly did a lot of real location yeah. shooting across yeah. America, which they would never have been able to do on a on a smaller show. Usually when they do a road trip, it's just like, yep, it's that part of northern, it's that, that part of like northern L.A. County. Right. And they, okay, some oh, my Cassidy God, they went all the way to Riverside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think our first canon submission in this 
iteration You're of right. Extra Hot Great was the Sopranos episode oh, yeah. College. Yep. Yep. And my first Sopranos Great submission one. on Extra Hot Great Mark 1 was Pine Barrens, which yep. is also a road trip episode. Yeah. Nice. So I think, I don't know, there's something in here. I would like to kind of make a, a bit of a list. Yeah, that would be Go fun. back yeah. through the canons and just see what's already been put up <laughs> yeah. that was a road well, trip one of the ones that might we, be a pretty high. Yeah, I mentioned that a, a, one, a Futurama submission that we had in, in the Mark 1 podcast was when they, they, uh, the, the crew goes road tripping around to various music festivals. So, yeah, it is, it's obviously a recurring That's thing. That's the Beck one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get to it in the comments if you uh, so feel like it. That'd Please be awesome. Do. Um, and we'll see you there. All right, so let's put this to a vote. Sarah? Hell yeah. Tara? Excuse Yay. me, H yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also vote yeah. Me too. Big Love Season 3, Episode 6, Come Ye Saints. You are hereby inducted into the extra hot, great canon. I mean, the wet, hot gravy <laughs> canon. <laughs> Right, it's a big episode for our return in 2012. Let's get to it. Let's catch up with Around the Dial. According to CES, TVs are curved now. Dave, does this mean I need to buy new TVs? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In improvements that we actually approve of, American Idol has announced that they're basically going to ditch the bad singer mockery portion of the audition episodes. It's about Mm. goddamn time. Yeah. Uh, also from CES, Netflix is going to roll out uh, super high def 4K content before anyone else, so uh, you'll be able to see every fiber of porn stashes mustache. <laughs> yeah, as long as you have ten thousand dollars for yeah, exactly. 4K TV. Can I Can, sidebar? We, sidebar, Your Honor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to bitch about Netflix for a bit. Oh, here we go. All over the weekend. <laughs> oh, okay, boy. look, I have a really good internet connection. I pay for a good one. I have a hundred megabyte mega whatevers. I got 100 megas. <laughs> Whoa, 100 is a lot. Well, usually the ones you get are about 20. That's okay, I said. don't know. Um, and and we're watching Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime streaming, uh, HBO Go, and they all started skipping back and forth to SD. And I checked the speed test while that was happening, and it was at 100. Mm-hmm. And I'm still getting these shitty connections. Okay. Like, how the hell are they ever going to do 4K? Who are you mad at? I'm at at Time Warner. Okay. I'm at at Netflix. Right. I'm uh, mad at Mad Nicholson for Valhalla Rising (laughs) not being in high def when I wanted it to be. Um, High def enough for me. I'm. (laughs) um, I just. It's interesting to me that they're going to a resolution that's going to take four times as many pixels to blow through your bandwidth. Um, and I can't even get a uh, good picture on business class. Well, I think it maybe end up being compressed enough so that it doesn't even really make that much of a difference. Well, I was going to say, who even has a 4K TV? Nobody. Nobody, that's who. (laughs) All right, right, Stephen Moffat and uh, Mark Gladys, uh, they say they've uh, plotted out Four and five of the Sherlock series. I should hope so. It's only six episodes. Um, We've watched season three of Sherlock through methods. We won't spoil anything. But at the end of season three makes us very excited to see what they're going to do with four and five. Ends very strong. 16.6 million viewers made Intelligence, 
on CBS, this season's biggest series launch. How? I don't know. How? It was so it boring. Felt like it, it, it so felt like something from the 80s, you know, yeah, like, like think, that kind of show. I forget if it was either Willa Paskin or Margaret Lyons of Slate and Vulture, respectively. One of them, and I forget who, sorry if they listen, said that intelligence is like Sherlock if Sherlock just had a chip in his head <laughs> and was dull and that's pretty much intelligence like none yep. of that is at all compelling i don't know what these people are smoking and point of clarification that is not actually a jj abrams show right it's uh, even though it has josh holloway and is about no i don't think I, so. it, it has the veneer of one but it's yeah, yeah. no short hair and sweaters he's not Sawyer <laughs> this time MTV has announced an upcoming cooking competition show, Top Chef Meets Real World. It's called House of Food. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not going to watch it. I <laughs> totally am. I'm just actually a little surprised that it took this long for yeah. them to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to hold my Veronica Mars shirt very close to the microphone <laughs> so you can hear it. Uh, Veronica Mars, <laughs> the entire series is now available on Amazon Instant Streaming, so you can catch up on it before the movie. Uh, even if you've watched the whole thing, you should rewatch season one at least because that season is just fucking it perfect. And if you want to get on the beta forums or already on there, there is a Veronica Mars one episode a day rewatch underway with episode threads mm-hmm. for every episode of the show. Yep. All right. Uh, the original bridge, Ron Boren, is coming to Hulu soon. I've been championing the show forever. I'm sure you're all I sick of it. I believe it's tomorrow. Yes, the 14th. Yes. So uh, get your eyeballs ready. Watch it. It is uh, fun in the most absurd way, but um, I really liked it. Uh, check the site under the bridge for my exhaustive, mm-hmm. yet spoiler-free, bridge primer. SNL last week hired a black woman cast member and two black woman writers. That ought to hold the little SOBs, said Lauren Michaels. But seriously, good luck to all three of these ladies, because that's a huge amount of expectations. Um, I hope they're great. They, they kind of have to be or else let down everybody. Yeah. Don't read the comment threads. Uh, Dan Rather revealed on Watch What Happens Live, you probably don't even need to continue this story, just simmer with that for a sec. Yep. Um, Dan Rather revealed to Andy Cohen that back in the 50s, he sampled heroin. Uh, it was a controlled environment. There were cops present and it was for research. Uh-huh. Uh, my question is twofold. Number one, bullshit. Number two, it... Why wasn't this why wasn't this recorded in some way? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Where where's the footage? What is the frequency Kenneth? <laughs> really just want to make that joke. Mark Burnett is launching a Me- Mexican wrestling league uh, for American TV and mm-hmm. uh, in the press release he actually says I'm at the point in my career where I could probably try anything. Okay, I guess you are intent on proving that. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you? All right, Zoe uh, Saldana will star in NBC's Rosemary's Baby. Um, Apparently it's set in Paris this time. Oh. Uh, I don't we. know. <laughs> and this just in via press release right before we started recording this podcast, and I quote... The newsroom to begin production on third and final season. Season, season, Woo! season. We did it. <laughs> we, we did it. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. And Tara, who is our winner? Winner is Laverne Cox of Orange is the New Black. She plays 
Oh, I just ha- forgot her name. Sophie? Sophia? On oh. Orange is the New Black? Oh, uh... I forget. <laughs> I forget. I'm pretty sure it's Sophia. She, the, uh, the trans character. She was on um, Katie Couric's Lame Duck uh, talk show. I almost said podcast. Uh, this last week with Carmen Carrera discussing trans issues, because I think it was trans awareness day or week or something. And Katie Couric, being an idiot, decided that it was appropriate to ask both of the guests uh, what the state of their genitals was and both of them were like no Carmen brushed her off more abruptly and then Laverne was like there are a lot more issues at stake for trans people such as discrimination and violence and so on and so on and representation and all of this and Katie Couric responded by saying you're so well spoken so loser of the week Katie Couric (laughs) yeah so, but awesome performance by Laverne Cox, who totally put Katie Couric in her place in a very gracious yet um, very uh, definitive way. And loser leak, Sarah. Um, I'm going to go with Andre Brower and the rest of the cast of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, I'm happy for the show that it won a Golden Globe, but <laughs> that Andy Samberg was the acting winner is uh, like he's not even he's not even the third funniest cast member on that show i like the show i like him a lot more on the show than i did when it first started out it's definitely been an improvement curve but what yeah Yeah. i I like him more than you do but yes third not even third is probably accurate i would go brower cruz latrulio latrulio well he's my number one as you know that's true (laughs) yeah gentlemen and ladies i have a question for you yes do you know what time it is it's game time. Game time. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the second game time of the season. Tara won the last game time, which was written by Nick. Thank you. That was a really good game time, by the way. Yeah, it was really fun. People really love that one. That was like some of the most fun I ever had was listening to you guys play that. <laughs> Um, today, we are playing It's Funny Once from past and future guest Trip Payne, Ooh. who earns himself an extra credit, redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing. In this game, I will read the name of a recurring comedy segment that appears on a show, and you name that show. Okay. It might be a variety show, okay. a talk show, right. a sitcom. It could be anything, okay. as long as it has a reoccurring comedy segment. Okay. All right? You get two points if you can name the show from the segment. If you need a hint, I will give you one in the form of a second comedy segment from the same show. Okay. After which, the correct answer is worth one point. All right? Yes. Everybody understand? Okay. Sure. Okay. Yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> Let's see who's going to go first. We will start with Sarah. All right. We're going to go Sarah and then let's go Nick, Tara. All right. So, Sarah, are you ready yes. to play It's Funny Once? Sure. Here you go. Your reoccurring comedy segment is called Delicious Dish. Name the show. Delicious dish. Ask for a hint, and I will give you a second comedy segment from that show. 
Uh, I feel like I'm going to kick myself once I get the hint, but I need the hint, please. Your hint is Sprockets. Oh, that would be Saturday Night Live. That's correct for one point. All right, uh, Nick. Yes. Cabana Chat. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to need the hint. Miss Swan. Miss Swan. Well, that didn't help. Mm. Take Uh, a stab. The Man Show? Close. Mad TV. Mad TV is correct. All right, Tara, here's your first. The Jew, the Italian, and the Redhead Gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For kids. And? Barry and Levon, or Levin. Probably Levon. Barry and Levon. I don't know. The State. Oh. A show that never hit Canada during nope. when it was on, so. That's uh, no excuse. Bad timing. Bad bad uh, question order for you. I make no excuse. And there's My some sort of here. emergency in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not Motorcycle Guy yet. <laughs> Sarah. Yes. 30 Helens Agree. 30 Helens Agree. Uh, Conan? Good guess. Here's the hint. Here's the second one, just to see if you would get it. Head crusher. I crush your head. Uh, oh, of course. Kids in the hall. Kids in the Ooh. hall, yeah. 30 Helens Agree is probably my favorite <laughs> thing from kids. Oh, no, it's my second favorite. My first favorite thing from kids in the hall is the dad by the rock just doing that speech. Yeah. 10 bucks. 10 yes. bucks. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Nick. Fan corrections. Fan corrections. Fan corrections. Uh, from what show? Mm, hint. The second comedy segment from this show, The Flaming Sea. Conan? Yes. Oh. One point, yes. <laughs> I was going to guess Conan first. I should have just got my two points. Tara? Yes. Uh, Floyd R. Turbo. Um, SCTV? Mm. Damn it! Oh, tripped you up on Floyd. Yes, uh, yeah. I assume. Hint, the second... Karnak the Magnificent. Oh, uh, the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Correct. All right, Sarah. Yep. Stuff we found on eBay. Stuff we found on eBay. Yes. Mm. Hint. Headlines. Headlines. Tonight Show with Jay Leno. One point for that one. All right. Back to Nick. I feel dirty. <laughs> Question number eight for Nick. Thank you notes. Thank you notes. Even Dave knows this. Even one. Dave knows this one. <laughs> He's an and idiot. Dave's stupid. <laughs> Dave. I got it. I need the gun. He's asked for a hint, Dave. Dave, <laughs> stop being stupid and give the hint. Terribly stupid. Slow jam the news. Uh, um, the sorry, late show with uh. Or, Late night with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> One point. All right. Saved it right there. Yeah. Speaking of stupid. Yep. All right, Tara. Yeah. Cousin Sal on location. Jimmy Kimmel Live. Two points. For Sarah. Dear Aquaman. <laughs> Dear Aquaman. And I'm going to just tell you this. This is the, your hint, if you, if you end up needing it, is probably the best hint that you're going to come across in this game. I do need the hint. What, what did you, your hint is? What did we learn on the show tonight, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn on the show tonight, Craig? 
Meow. <laughs> she still doesn't uh, know the it. Late, late show with Craig Ferguson. I don't know what it's called. I yep. heard, I Thank heard you. too late. Yep, the late, late show with Craig Ferguson. <clears throat> Absolutely correct. Nick. Yeah. Number eleven. Percy Dove Tonsils. What? <laughs> oh yeah, Percy Dove Tonsils. And this one, uh, Trip made a note on saying nobody's going to get this one. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, well, for the hell of it, let's have the hint. The Nairobi Trio. <laughs> Jesus, I, I don't know. Uh, the answer is, and don't feel bad, the Ernie Kovacs show. What? <laughs> and can I just say something? Trip, some- oh, trip. how old do you think Jesus we are? <laughs> Jesus, Trip. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah. For some reason. That's older than my dad. I don't even know who Ernie Kovacs is. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Okay, well, like if I saw a picture and yeah. you said that was no, Ernie Kovacs, I might. But in my mind, and I'm not sure why, I thought Ernie Kovacs was an NHL goalie from the 50s. <laughs> it sounds right. I think yeah. there was a goalie named Ernie somebody or other in the, mm. in the NHL. Okay. So, that show was released on Wax Cylinder. <laughs> seriously, on the Dumont Network. That show was for you, Dan Rogie. <laughs> All right, Tara, here's yes. your last uh, question before our first score break. Okay. The Schmengi Brothers. Oh, that's SCTV. That is SCTV for two uh, points. I've forgotten what a good game this is. Yes, I'd forgotten. How long does it go on for? Oh, ages. Oh, goody, goody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nick has two points. Sarah has three points. I have four points. All right. So that is one third into our game. So plenty of game to mix it up. And we're on to Sarah. Your uh, comedy segment is called As the Stomach Turns. As the stomach turns. Yes. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> I don't think a hint is going to help, so I'm going to say Carol Burnett Show. Two points. Oh. What? what a pull. Nice. The hint was Mr. Tudball and Mrs. Wiggins. Which I, I would have said. That wouldn't have helped at all. Nope. I didn't think it would. I would have said Sesame Street. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Mm. Yeah. Or Electric Company. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it does sound that, like something. You're I, right. You're totally correct. Yeah. No, not as correct as Sarah. Nope. Sarah is actually correct. <laughs> the best kind and of correct. And very old. <laughs> All right, Nick. When keeping it real goes wrong. Oh, key and peel. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Uh, the hint is Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. Oh. And that is the, sh- uh, the other Chappelle <laughs> show. The other Black- what, Tara? <laughs> the other sketch show on Comedy Central starring black people. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> Is that not accurate? I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't see race. I'm like Stephen Colbert. I see. Yes, uh, you are. In who, every way. Who was it? That was Nick. So yeah. on to Tara. Yep. Uh, Brule's Rules with Dr. Steve Brule. Um, Tim and Eric, awesome show. Great job. Correct for two points. And to Sarah, your yep. segment is called Small Town News. Small Town Small News. Small Town News. And I think Hint. theoretically there are two answers to this. Hmm. Hint. Stupid pet tricks. Uh, that would be Letterman. Sure. The late show with Letterman, but... We knew he meant. Yes. All right, number 17. Spread eagle. Nick? <laughs> the Mod <laughs> Mod World. The Mod Mod World. Oh. Would you care to spell that? M-O-D, M-O-D. Okay. Just making sure it wasn't M-A-U-D-A. I, no. At this point, I got a guess for the two. Laughing? Nice! Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. good timing for Tara. Wow. 
Meta World News. Oh, this is Key and Peele. And what is Key and Peele again, Tara? <laughs> the other other show on Comedy Central with sketches starring Black Forgiveness, please. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave broke before he even could read the clue. All right. Uh, Sarah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. Okay. Your comedy segment, Sarah, is called Men on Film. Uh. Men on Film. Men on Film. Men on Film. I feel like I know this, but I don't. Could I have a hint, please? Homie D. Clown. Men on Film and Homie D. Clown, both comedy segments from... From... Uh, I get that one? The Wayans Show? Oh. <laughs> I need a final answer. That's it. I don't... I... In living color. Oh, damn it. Well... In living is, color. This All right. is what you get. Nick. Yeah. When you do Back comedy shows. in black. Oh, uh, Daily Show with John Stewart. Two points for The Daily Show. And number 21 for mm-hmm. Tara. Yes. The Word. The Colbert Report. Correct. I've forgotten what a good game this is. Yes, Again? I've forgotten. How long does it go on for? Oh, ages. <laughs> oh, goody, goody. Sarah and Nick are tied with six all. I have ten. Oh, shit. All right. We have 33 questions, by the way. That was question 21. Okay. So this is to Sarah, right? Yes. Veterinarian's Hospital. Veterinarian's Hospital. Veterinarian's Hospital. Yeah. This jogged my memory. I remember this one. Your hint is good. I need a hint, please. You'll you'll get this now. (coughs) Pigs in space! I'm glad I could. Uh, I'm glad I could give you that moment. That is from the Muppet Show. <laughs> that is correct for one point. He would have done that anyway. All right, Nick. Empty Arms Hotel. Oof. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, I need the hint. Pickin' and grinning. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that kind of sounds wow. familiar. Yeah. But I'm... the problem oh. is you're not getting a visual cue with these ones. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> Is it hee haw? <laughs> it is hee haw. And the oh, visual clue oh, is me wait, jumping in and out of cornrows. <laughs> All right. Big shirtless Zeke. Yes. <laughs> For Tara. Yes. Francisca McDowell. Hint. The Simpsons. Oh, the Tracy Ellman show. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Sarah? Yes. Logo Life Tips. Logo, Logo life tips. Logo yeah. I don't have the first damn idea. Can I have a hint? <laughs> Your hint is <laughs> gay re- werewolf. Uh, ooh. Gay, gay re- werewolf. Um, this is wrong, but I just want to get it in there. Viva Variety. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. The Big Gay Sketch Show. Oh. As seen in promos during RuPaul's Drag Race and never at by any other human ever. <laughs> Okay, Nick. <laughs> Stereotype Olympics. Hint. Carlosaurus Rex. That's a good hint. Jimmy came alive. Ooh. 
Carlo. Mind of Mencia. Mencia. Correct. Never watched that program. Tara. Mm -hmm. Foreign film dub. Foreign film dub. Hint. Three-headed Broadway star. Three-headed Broadway star. Good hint. Nope. Can I guess? Yes. Is it whose line is it anyway? It is. Ah, very good. Wow. Sure. All right, Sarah. Yep. Firing squad. Firing squad. Hint. Barth's Burgers. Good hint. Wow. You can't do that on television. Canada represent. Nick. Excuse me. Tea time with Sophie, Grace, and Rosie. Clumsy Thumbsby. Did not help. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Ellen? Ellen DeGeneres, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Tara. Yep. Monsterpiece Theater. Is this Sesame Street? It is Sesame nice. Street. Nice. Yes. I've forgotten what a good game this is. <laughs> yes, I've forgotten. How long does it go on for? Oh, ages. Oh, really goody, proud goody. of yourself for that clip. <laughs> Okay, Nick has six, Sarah has eight, I have 13. All right, I think it is out of grasp for uh, Nick and Sarah. You each have Just one. Just give me that seven point question. You each have one question <laughs> uh, left um, for Sarah. Yes. Your segment is called Creepy Little White Girl. <laughs> oh, good luck. <laughs> I guarantee you won't know this. Uh, if I had a nickel, could I have a hint, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, WWE Superstars Karaoke. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Until this moment, I forgot this show existed. Viva Variety. I, I will say this show was a casualty of somebody else's uh, deal. She already guessed Viva Variety. Mm. Yeah. She doesn't know. Uh this was a casualty of Conan's deal. Uh, it's Lopez tonight. Oh, um, sure. Lopez tonight. Oh. All right, Nick, okay. here's your last. Okay. Fractured fairy tales. Ooh. Fractured fairy tales. Hint. Peabody's improbable history. <laughs> uh, that show. Oh, that, the, that show. Nick one of my is, favorite shows. Nick's going too up. young. I know. He's just uh, on the wrong just. side. And I was just on. I was like a little. Too yeah, young for me. Too. I don't know the exact title. I mean, Want to take a guess? The Adventures of Peabody and <laughs> the Rocky and Bullwinkle Show. Oh, yeah, the Rocky and Bullwinkle Show, which is a really good show, by the way. It like stands up to Aesop's Fables and all that stuff mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, last question of the game. Yep. For Tara. Yep. Gavel banging. Uh, the soup. The soup is correct. All right. I think Tara won, but let's get the final score break just to make it official. Nick has six, Sarah has eight, I have 15. Indeed. So let's move into our shits and giggles. <laughs> shits and giggles. First person to shout out the answer gets a Dave point. And who's to say what Dave points will mean in the future? <laughs> I hope you all have been keeping track of your Dave points. <laughs> God knows I haven't. They're going to be like Bitcoins. So worth no $5,000. Bitcoins. All right. The itchy and scratching poochie show. That's right. It's the Simpsons. All right. There's no Ben Stiller show on there. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the Grungies. That's where I'm Viking. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Katara. All right, that is it for another episode of Wet Hot Gravy. We took our residence at Downton Abbey for Series 4, got cozy with the Dixie Mafia from Justified, and Tara celebrated her trophy wife, Tiny Triumph. Nick pitched us the road trip episode of Big Love Come Ye Saints for the canon, and we voted to induct it. We made up for some lost time with Around the Dial, crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of this week's game time. Remember! We're listening. I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. Gotta catch you later. Sarah D. Bunting. Shut up, Bates. And Nick Reinwell Jones. Cease firing, there's a lady present. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. What hot gravy? Yet. Is this your first experience of jazz, Lady Grantham? Oh, is that what it is? Do you think any of them know what the others are playing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you write that one? Maybe. <laughs>